0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. If this game
1: lacked drama leading up to the actual event, it leaped the bar of expectation for both its backup quarterback and a lot of other hopefuls vying for their football lives. Although this resolute group was not ultimately rewarded, ironically, the denouement may be exactly what the Steelers had hoped for. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All Americans Network. It is January 4th, our first show of 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington D.C. outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost to report that the Steelers—they actually kind of won, even though they lost twenty-two to twenty-four to the Browns.
0: Yeah, we won. Is this not the weirdest Monday you felt? I woke up feeling like Victory Monday. I went to—I like there. Here's the thing with the Steelers: if the Steelers win during the daytime, obviously our weeks are much better, right? But the Sunday itself is glorious because you can watch the Sunday night game. You know, you can have it on in the background while you're doing something else. But you can watch it, and no matter how good or bad it is, you enjoy it. Because you just love football at that moment. you got to watch the Steelers win. There's nothing to worry about. That's the feeling I had last night. And I caught myself and realized, we, we lost. Well, we. I'm not on the team. But you're going to have trouble convincing me. <laughs> they, the Steelers. the Steeler Man-
1: Nation. We're all on the team.
0: Yeah, we're all on the team. Come on, we're here listening. We're doing the research. Let's get some of the credit. But the Steelers lost, but we know why the victory feels better. Because, number one, first and foremost, the Steelers needed to lose to the Browns because by losing to the Browns, they ensured that they get to play the Browns again in the first round of the wild card instead of drawing someone like the Baltimore Ravens who, face it, are a much tougher matchup for the Steelers. The Browns are a good team, but the Steelers we would like our chances a lot better against them, especially after annihilating them earlier in the season while they were at full strength. And then coming within two yards, a two-point conversion of beating them with the backups. And I know that it's not as simple as it's all the backups, but it's without Ben Roethlisberger. And it's not like you're going from Ben Roethlisberger to Alex Smith. You're going from Ben Roethlisberger to Mason Rudolph. We'll talk about him and his good game as well. But no TJ, no Cam Hayward. No Terrell Edmonds, no Joe Hayden, no Marquise Pouncey. A lot of guys missing. And the Steelers played really well, made it a close game, sort of makes you feel really good that, oh, if we have all these pro bowlers in the game next week, they should have a much better chance. But even more so, the most encouraging thing to me was that they sort of looked like a football team on offense for the second consecutive week. I think uh, PFT commenter on um, Barstool Sports on the – Part of my take podcast said it this week, this morning in their podcast, like as a Steelers fan, you got to feel good because they actually uh, put something on TV that resembled playing football for the second consecutive week. And that is the way I feel because it just seems like, Hey, there might be flaws with this team, but there are some good things to take forward. And they seem to have some sort of weird momentum as a result of this Browns loss Win.
1: switching gears on you a little bit. I am learning something new every day. And with my experience in betting, I'm learning how crazy the end of the season is and how tough it is to figure out these odds. I mean, because you are trying to determine who's going to be on the field for a team, whether they're motivated to win or maybe motivated to lose. That's right. And the spread for the Steelers was they were getting 10 points for this game, which I grabbed immediately
0: oh, and we grabbed came it. out
1: the other end victorious.
0: We grabbed it. We won it. Of course, we still bet on the Steelman. We knew what they would do. They'd thread the needle. They'd make the cover. And we made that cover. At Bet Online, baby, football is nearing the end. Can you believe it? How many times have I told you guys the good news about Bet Online and told you that football's in full swing or football's halfway through? The regular season is over. All that's left is the postseason. Nothing else matters, but you can still bet on the games and make some scoots while you're at it because Bet Online has game spreads, they got totals, they got team player and coaching props. And they give you more options to wager than any other place online. So head to Bet Online today and use that promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, Ching! your online sportsbook experts. There was an
1: interesting flow to this game. Initially, it looked like same old Steelers, at least same old 2020 Steelers with three, three punts in a row. Right. But if you look at it, the Steelers lost the first half 10 to 6, but came back in the second half to win 16 to 14.
0: Yeah, so generally speaking, the first half, I think as the first quarter ended and you got halfway through the second quarter, you kind of had a good feeling about the game because, yeah, the Steelers weren't putting up points, but they had a couple plays here or there, and more importantly, they went into halftime down, what, 10-6? And I remember tweeting, I knew that everybody would would tweet this, and so I joined in on it. I'm like, hey, you got to feel pretty good going in 10-6 against the Cleveland Browns here, who are playing not just for their playoff lives, but for legitimately the lives of the citizens in that city who are on life support after 18 years without playoffs. I don't want to remind you what happened 18 years ago, but they were unceremoniously dumped out of the playoffs by their dad. Pittsburgh Steelers. But, you know, they have all the motivation in the world in this game. And, yeah, there's a couple Cleveland starters out, but it's nothing in comparison to what the Steelers were doing. And how would you feel if you're Cleveland? You think, oh, my gosh, we just still can't get over Big Brother, no matter what it is. And the Steelers and the Ravens have a great rivalry. There's no Big Brother Little Brother. They're twin brothers, if anything. But we know how it felt when they were playing it close against the Ravens' backups. It's a frustrating proposition. So you felt okay in that first half. I'll say the first thing that I liked – it was on the first drive. I think it was a third down. Mason completed like a deep slant in a tight window to chase Claypool for a 15, 20-yard gain. And it's just something that we haven't seen enough of the Steelers. We have talked about it ad nauseum. Some mid-range pass like that uh, to a big, giant guy who was shielding himself away from the defender makes the catch. You say, okay, there's some relatively normal-looking offensive plays here. You do expect Mason to hit a couple passes. He always hits a couple passes in every game he plays in. It's the consistency that's the problem. But he hit a few of those. And so, yeah, they punt the first three drives. But then after that, they hit two field goals to make it 10-6 before halftime. And then they really caught their momentum. And out of halftime, they get another field goal and a seven-play 52-yard drive. The Cleveland Browns respond with a touchdown to make it. 17-9, to nine, but you're still thinking, well, they're within range, and they've been driving the ball. And then Mason throws that god-awful interception, which we will talk about more when we talk about Mason. And the Cleveland Browns respond once again with a touchdown, which pretty much is the difference in the game there. And I remember talking to each other. We looked up. We said, I, th- I thought that we were in this game. And it's 24-9, Cleveland, and the Steelers have almost no chance. Well, then they go 13 plays, 75 yards for another touchdown. And I don't know, do they have a fourth down? They had a fourth down and 10. At the Cleveland 28, when Chase Claypool throws the rainbow, or Mason Rudolph throws the rainbow to Chase Claypool for a 28-yard touchdown, which might have been Chase Claypool's best play of the season. Finally see him go up and make a play in contested coverage. And by the way, the throw was not that good. He threw it inside, and the defender had inside coverage. Chase Claypool reached over the defender and grabbed the ball out of the air, which, by the way, is something that Ben Roethlisberger should note. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just give him a chance if he's one-on-one. And by the way, Chase Claypool has not made that catch when Ben Roethlisberger has made those throws. How many deep balls has Chase dropped from Ben this year? This time he actually makes the contested catch, and it reminded me of last week when Ben hit the deep ball uh, on the one-play drive touchdown to Deontay Johnson where it just sort of shocked the team. It, It sort of got the Steelers up. I mean, after a year of having to maintain or sustain 15-play drives to get, you know, 10-yard touchdown passes. It's nice to finally see them get a chunk play, especially on a fourth and 10. Mason Rudolph emoted pretty dramatically after that touchdown. I mean, he was pumped, as he should be, in the Mason Rudolph revenge game, sort of. By the way, this is the best case for Mason Rudolph. You looked good on national TV, and your teammates and your fans don't hate you for ruining the playoff season uh, seating. And Miles Garrett didn't get a sack, I don't think, right? Maybe a half sack. So all things considered, it's pretty good. So he completes that pass, and then the Browns go 10 plays, and for some reason at the Steelers 35, 4th and 7, they go for it, which I thought was just the most Browns thing you could ever do. What are you doing? Kick the field goal. Is there something I don't know about their kicker? And, and Baker Mayfield blows it. He completely blows it. He has a guy wide open. It's Higgins, and he just throws it into the dirt, and that's one thing to like about Baker Mayfield, why you can't be too scared of him. He's a good quarterback. He can make throws, but he does throw it into the dirt now and again, and he has some struggles, even though he played a, a an a okay game against the Steelers yesterday. And then how does Mason respond? Seven plays, 65 yards, culminating in a touchdown to Juju Smith-Schuster, and... uh they're down by two and they missed a two point conversion. Okay, so it is, so it goes. And then the Cleveland Browns end the game on a Baker Mayfield run. But just look at the drive chart Steelers, punt, 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 field goal, field goal, field goal, three scoring drives in a row. When's the last time we've seen that? Interception, not good. Touchdown, touchdown. The offense felt like it showed some life yesterday.
1: It's also notable that we only had one. Did I already talk about the three and out? Uh, no. One three and out. Maybe that was the pregame. So the Steelers only had one series, and that was the second of the game where they were three and out. So those are that was amidst the three punts. But um, yeah, and and I will say that Mason seemed to you know if you were following on Twitter, everybody was saying, "Oh Mason, you know he's a deer in the headlights. He gets frozen." Maybe that's true. I don't know. But in the second half. He had pass plays of 47, 41, 41, and 28 yards for that touchdown, you said, in addition to a 26-yarder. So he really seemed to feel his oath, so to speak, in the second half. He did. You feel like he just didn't have anything to lose in this game? Yeah. Like, it was known. we'd. Pref- I don't know whether they literally say this in the locker room, that it's better if we lose when we play these guys. I don't think the players think that way. No. But really, what was the downside of him losing? And this is, you know, as you, you sort of— Spouse, this is the perfect way to lose it feels like a win we could have yeah and do you forget about the um so 27 yard pass to Washington on the left side in the end zone yeah. it was a combat catch that he wasn't able to bring down but you know that was damn close to another f- touchdown
0: yeah and there were another few where he gave Chase a play downfield and Chase high pointed the ball and didn't bring down the catch it looks like it would be a difficult catch but when you look like Chase Claypool, those are the things you want to see. You're like, oh, okay, well, Julio Jones makes that catch every time, right? And, of course, we're not going to compare him to Julio now, but we want to see Chase make more of those catches, and he did. So I'm, not, I'm saying, like, of course, we didn't expect him to catch 100% of them, but he did have other opportunities where maybe the Chase Claypool, a year or two from now, makes those catches. So Mason's stats could have looked even crazier, even gaudier. So I, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, first off, Mason Ru- Ru- Rudolph's grade for the game, he gets an A. I mean, here's the thing that happened on Twitter, and I get into, got into it with some people on Twitter. So at one point he was like 11 of 16 for I don't know how many yards in the first half uh, with a couple of drops from receivers. And somebody was making the insinuation. He, said, he made a tweet saying, like, if you don't think Mason Rudolph is playing well in this game ra- right now, it's only because of your – uh, predetermined bias against Mason Rudolph. But to that point, like we just showed you, punt, 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 field goal, field goal on a Cleveland Brown defense, Cleveland Browns defense that, yes, has a good defensive line, but the secondary, can you name one player? Can't name one player. I mean, they have Carl Joseph, an absolute bust who's been around the league at safety, right? So don't act like they're playing against the Ravens here. You went into halftime with six points against the Ravens, and at that point, he had also thrown. Two or three passes into the dirt. He missed James Conner on a couple one-yard passes that he airmailed over his head. And he took a 13-yard sack when the Steelers were in field goal range on, to that point, the most crucial drive of the game. So what I said was that, no, Mason Rudolph, is, he's playing okay. I, I feel like it's an overcorrection to say that he's playing great at that point in the game. And by the end of the game, you'd say, That sort of feels like his best game as a pro, the one that he just played, right? Maybe because it's fresh in our memory. I think he played okay against Miami, actually, last year. But Mason, to me, was more confident than he was last year. But receivers made more plays for him than they did last year. And he, at the end of the day, played the same game he always plays. Look, if there is an ounce of pressure on Mason Rudolph, he craps the bed. Just like he did on that interception. I mean, did you see that? He just... He freaks out. There's, four, there's five people around him, and he throws it directly to a defender with nobody around him. In addition to that, he threw a couple under the dirt on those situations. We know what his limitations are. The day of the statuesque pocket passer, it is long gone. I made this comment a lot of times during the game that Baker Mayfield is the new pocket passer. Joe Burrow is the new pocket passer. Those are guys, they can't run like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, but they can run enough to beat you. Baker Baker Mayfield's legs were the difference in the game yesterday. He had like a 30-yard run, and he ended the game on a third-and-three run on a quarterback sweep, right? So, yes, Mason's going to struggle when there's pressure around him, but, and he doesn't have a great arm, by the way. The reason why he struggles is because he doesn't process very well. He sticks on his first read for a long time. You can see it on the TV. Just watch his neck. Watch his head where it stays. Stays in the same place for a while. Secondarily, he doesn't have a great arm, So when you get in a lot of pressure with a lot of people around you, you don't have the opportunity to put your whole body into a throw. So you just have to be able to use your arm strength to flick it out of there. He doesn't have that. And then, of course, he's not mobile at all. So those things all come together to give him trouble when the pocket um, collapses. That's all I have to say negative about Mason Rudolph because everything else was positive. He is so aggressive downfield, and while he doesn't have a good arm, he has a good deep ball. But notice, he doesn't throw it 60, 70 yards. He throws it on timing at 40 yards with a really nice lob to it. So it gives the receivers an opportunity to come down with the ball. And this reminds me of last week when they played Indianapolis. Indianapolis came into that game giving up 340 yards through the air. You can't name a single player in there as secondary. And the Steelers come out, slant, 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 run, reverse, slant. And Feener tried to do a lot of the same this past game. But the Browns come in with an absolute crap injured secondary, and Mason attacks them. And so, like you said, pass plays of 47, 41, 41 again, 28-yard touchdown, 26-yarder. He attacked the weakness of the defense and the receivers finally made the plays. And I think that's the difference because I think a lot of these games we've pointed out, Ben should have at least one more deep pass in every game where these guys, Claypool and Deontay, aren't coming down with the ball. And over the past few games, they have come down with the ball. So I think Mason's aggressiveness combined with those guys' ability to come down with the ball, they were in single coverage all day, you know and he identified that. I think that that was what was so encouraging about that game because, what, Deontay had, like, 96 yards on three catches, right? Yeah. So that, that, to me, is what he looked like. And it was just – it was a valiant effort from Rudolph knowing that, like, his NFL career could possibly be on the line. He just has a bad reputation. People just don't like him, you know, for whatever reason because of the helmet incident or whatever it is. So this is kind of your last chance. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think he's a legitimate option as a successor to Ben? Or a bridge guy or something.
1: Well, after last year, it's tough to say yes. Right. I think he had enough He had enough games last year. And by the way, you're right. This was by far his, at least from a productivity standpoint, 315 yards. His best was 240 against uh, the Rams last year. Right. So I don't, I'm sorry, 250 against Miami. No, that, you right. said that Miami. Ah,
0: caught it. That was a great touchdown. But Juju saved him in that game a bunch of times, catching the ball in the, out of the defender's hands. So this was much better.
1: I don't, I, I don't know. I'd like to say uh, he will just remain on the bench at the number two. We'll bring in Dobbs in a second. Right. Um, he did have a nice touchdown-to-interception ratio last year, except yeah. for the no, Cleveland game.
0: He's not. I mean, <laughs> except for he's the first not a Cleveland starter. game. He's not a starter. If you think he's a starter, then you watch too much Steelers and you don't watch the rest of the league. Look, these quarterbacks are coming in like crazy. I mean, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, you talk about Kyler Murray – Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, look, who's going to be in the, I made this a sad list this morning because you realize Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the AFC as well. And possibly Zach Wilson. We'll see what happens with Wilson or fields. They're not as ballyhooed as he is, but um, here's the list. Here's what we're going to be going against in, in the AFC. Um, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, That's seven of the quarterbacks already in there. And then you have the other players like Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield. All of these guys are so far out of the athletic um, stratosphere that Mason is in that you'd be hitching your wagon to something insane. And if Mason was your backup quarterback, I'd be thrilled because if you come in and play a game like that, that is awesome, man. Uh, If he has to bridge the Steelers for one year, if Ben decided to retire next year, which it it sort of doesn't look like he's doing, it's sort of flip-flopping every week, Maybe that would be fine, right? But I think that yesterday proved to me he, can, he could stay in the NFL and be a good backup, uh, whereas after last year, I didn't even know if he would be able to do that. And I, you just have to feel good for the guy. And we got to thank him because he kept the momentum going. So let's hope Ben takes some of what he did during this game and then carries it forward next. Week. you got to be aggressive. I know Denzel Ward's going to be back, but he gave you the blueprint for the exact team you get to play at home under the lights when the Steelers get the superpowers.
1: Yeah, and they had to play their starters, be that as it may, even though they had a couple of guys out, so we got to see. And they had to win, so that was a good preview. Yeah. Can we can we flip this to Josh Dobbs? I am still scratching my head over the way they used him. So he had, um, he had two carries for 20 yards, a nice 13-yard run. He had five attempts, four completions, four two yards i it's don't understand what was going on was he like a, trying to play option quarterback he, yes. he just ran, basically had one yeah significant well two okay runs but
0: they put him in to run the ball and you know what Twice. i did not i did not well no he there's a lot of other opportunities where he handed it off it's a read option he gets to decide whether he runs or the running back runs i don't hate it the steelers have the worst running game i've ever seen in my whole life they're dead last in the nfl um the the coaches shocker Featner we'll talk about him later he's not getting better he's getting worse if anything Randy Feetner and there's and it's not fan service it's just look at the situations but every time Mason had a 40-yard pass they would put Josh Dobbs in the very next play I think two of the 40-yard throws he had uh Dobbs went in the next play which is like look dude Mason already got hit in the head with his own helmet He's got enough going against him as it is. You trying to destroy his momentum every time he gets something going is asinine. But the Steelers can't run the ball. They have no way to do it. You got to try and trick him and dick him a little bit. Maybe Josh Dobbs gives you a little bit of that edge. And he had two runs and one of them. Yeah, he broke it for 15, 20 yards on that one run. And the other run was a one or two yard run where he got helicoptered by three guys and held on to the ball. So I like that they tried that. Because that's a whole other element that you have. We have to try something else. The jet sweeps do not work for the Steelers. They don't know how to set those up. You need to set that up with different power plays, different motions, and multitude of different jet sweeps. When the Steelers do it, it kind of only happens one way, and the, and the defense always gets to the guy always five yards in the backfield, right? So we tried that. What else do you have? You have a big guy who can hold onto the ball and who can throw it a little bit with Josh Dobbs. So, yeah, try some of that because, to me, the Steelers cannot run under center, which is disappointing because that takes away so much of your offense. But when the Steelers just try and line up and tell a team they're running, they just get pushed five yards into the backfield and it doesn't happen, right? So I didn't mind them putting Josh Dobbs on the field. I, mind, I, I didn't like when they did it after you know, Mason had big throws. It just shows that maybe they had it in their mind, okay, Josh is going to the next play, um, and oh, oh oh, despite this 50-yard completion – Well, that was the plan. We're going to put him in. There's just no adjusting on the fly. But I don't know if I want to take Ben Roethlisberger off the field at any point for Josh Dobbs. That seems insane. (laughs) But there is a little part of you that's like, they can't get worse at running the ball. I like that they at least tried this little wrinkle. It was
1: just something I couldn't figure out. I mean, you were right. He did come in after the two 41-yard passes. But let me just kind of outline what, when they brought him in. In the first quarter, he came in after a McFarland uh, three-yard gain. Uh, Dobbs passed it. I guess this was the pitch to McLeod. We lost three yards. Then he comes in in the second quarter. After that 41-yard pass, they keep him in for, for two plays. One, he had that 13-yard gain. And then he, handed, he did a short pass to McLeod again for no gain. Yeah. What is the rhyme and reason I'm sorry. Oh, and after the uh, Rudolph sack, they brought him in and he had the seven yard run when it was third and 13. I find it hard for him to get into a rhythm or even to start getting Cleveland to notice some sort of tendency that he could take advantage of, i.e., option. I just, I'm, I'm fine with it. It was kind of interesting. I like seeing Josh out there because you had a different wrinkle, but I don't think he had enough time or enough plays to get any kind of. Well, going.
0: well, you don't get more than that. I mean, you need to watch Taysom Hill, you need to watch the Saints if you want to figure out the blueprint for that. You, you can't give the guy how many you just named like 10 snaps, right? Are you really going to give him any more than that? it's just, I agree that they did it at weird times third, third and 13. What aren't you? Are you trying to win or you're not trying to win? Maybe they weren't, maybe that was the point. Uh, after 50 yard passes, that's weird, but what about you know, third down and short? I understand that. The only issue is that people know that the, the, the possibility of you running is so high when you bring him in. But the nice thing is they don't know if you're running inside or outside because he has the option to read the defender. So there's some element of surprise, and he can throw a little bit. So I understand bringing him in on second and manageable. You know, run, like situations where you have some flexibility, some believability whether you're going to run or to pass. Now, do I trust the Steelers to figure out How to put him in a Taysom Hill-like role? No, of course not.
1: So I guess the other thing to to mention about uh, the offense was that Vance McDonald had a pretty good game, got really involved this time after a a long hiatus. He had five receptions, 33 yards, but as you pointed out all game, you just don't stop the the freight train once he gets the ball.
0: He's an interesting option. I mean, like he's not going to catch those awesome 20-yard seam route touchdowns that Eric Ebron catches. But the Steelers toying around – I mean, obviously, he was only used because Ebron was out. He's a close contact COVID victim, if you will. Um, But there is something to me that says, like, well, you like throwing short so much. If you can figure out a way to throw this guy a damn arrow route, he can get four or five yards for you on first down. And that's a a chain mover, right? So – I don't mind seeing him more in there. He did have a drop. He does have, a, you know, he's he doesn't have the greatest hands in the world, but it's also to be expected. He's barely got to even practice catching the ball this year, right? I I don't know if they'll completely phase him out next week or if it's just too hard trying to figure out how to get him in. Ebron involved, but he played well. I think that um, yeah, overall, and, and Benny Snell, just he's just not the answer, man. I mean, they they figured that out. They tried to give him a bigger piece of the pie two weeks in a row, both times taking him out for Connor who. Also is playing a little weird. He's over-juking a little bit. He doesn't have the speed to, to juke as much as he does. But he's also breaking some tackles and getting back to the line of scrimmage when he really needs to be. But, um, yeah, me and Vance was fine. Offensive line was good. I mean, they, they held Miles Garrett in check, right? That's surprising. I think they only gave up, like, 16 sacks the whole year, which I do think, of course, is a misleading stat. The, the Steelers getting the ball out of Ben's hands so fast is what made, has made this offense so bad. <laughs> Um, not that that's a problem in strategy, but it is a problem when it's the only thing you do. Uh, but you still have to give them credit for being able to hold them off, and Mason had enough time to get off some of those deep balls. And maybe the Steelers are figuring out some of that deep rhythm passing because Mason's deep balls were similar to Ben's, where back in the day Ben would sit in the pocket forever, maybe scramble out and chuck a deep ball, and now it's more of three steps, wait, pat, throw. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about the offense. And then the defense... Look, they gave up one long run to Nick Chubb, about a 50-yard touchdown run. That was embarrassing. Sutton with a huge missed tackle. Minka with a huge missed tackle. And then they only gave the ball to Chubb like 12 more times or something like that. So I don't know what was up with that. But overall, they did a pretty good job standing up against them. And you get Cam Hayward and uh, T.J. Watt back next week. You get two all-pro, like, MVP candidates back onto the defense. So that's just enormous.
1: Yeah, I think if you take away that Chubb, I know, if you take away the Chubb run of 47 and Baker Mayfield's 28, we held them to four yards of carry. And you're right, those those runs seem to come through the middle of the line. And you would hope that next week the, the, the run stoppers will ensure that doesn't happen. Kareem Hunt, 10 attempts, 37 yards.
0: The Browns are a good team. The thing I like about the Browns is they know exactly who they are. They're like the Titans. They're not like the Titans are more explosive because they can. You know, throw deep bombs with one second left to A.J. Brown for 60 yards to win the game like they did yesterday, but they know who they are. They're going to run the ball. Uh, They will be able to run the ball a little bit on the Steelers, but like I've said, and I'll say it again, those type of teams do not scare me as much as a Steelers fan. The teams that scare me are the passing offenses and the coordinators who can get the Steelers in matchup problems. And Stefanski and the Browns got them in some matchup problems as well. I mean, how many times did they find a way to get Jarvis Landry on on Williamson or Williams? A number of times for critical third down plays, their best receiver, one of the best route runners in the whole league, is getting covered by a middle linebacker. I think Alex Kazora made a nice tweet about that, saying, if the Steelers come out in their base 11, you know it's zone. And the Cleveland Browns took advantage of that. But otherwise, I guess what I'm trying to say is you have to feel pretty good about the Steelers' ability to hold up against the, the run next week, especially that there's no Odell Beckham Jr. to scare you over the top. And, yeah, they held up nicely. And, and here's another reason why yesterday was such a success. Because Alex Highsmith is good. Like, this is so encouraging. Alex Highsmith played a nice game. He had a sack. He has acquitted himself well in a starting role for Bud Dupree, and like I said, hopefully him not starting all year prevents him from hitting a dramatic rookie wall here in the playoffs. It doesn't look like he's hitting it. He's actually getting better every week, and that's just another thing to take account for next year. You know, we had our Christmas special looking into the future kind of edition. That guy seems like he's pretty firmly entrenched as this is going to be a good starting outside linebacker. How good will he be? I don't know, but it's definitely not like going into a season with Ola Denier or, Ch- or uh, Chicolo or someone like that. You have a legitimate starter who's only going to get better, hopefully. So his play has been really encouraging. A lot of people praised him after that game for seriously ball- balling out against Jedrick Wills, the tackle for the Browns. So that's that's huge.
1: And it was encouraging to see a couple of other guys step up. One, Chris Wormley had a sack. Um a few tackles, as well as Jerron Elliott, who had a sack.
0: Yeah. Oh, and by the way, that happened. Jaron Elliott or Jerron, his sack came near the goal line. So what I would like to say is this is what separates the great offenses from good ones. And it's really a quarterback thing. I mean, it's a coordinator thing. It's always a quarterback and coordinator thing, isn't it? But the red zone. And Baker was not great in the red zone. They schemed up one wide-open touchdown pass for him. But otherwise, Minka got his hand on a couple passes in the end zone. Minka had a nice game himself. Oh, if he, he got one hand on that breakup he had in the end zone, like you were saying, if he, if he had half a step earlier, he would house that. That would have been a 105-yard touchdown. But with a team like the Cleveland Browns, they'll be able to get down the field, but will they be able to score in the red zone? Uh, it's going to be a little tough for them. The Steelers have to like that matchup better than you know having to go play the bills or kansas city or something like that so that's encouraging too
1: yeah i totally forgot about that first and goal from the four, and we're able to hold on to that so again encouraging and baker sort of blew up from a um accuracy standpoint yeah
0: speaking of blowing up a little fight on the sideline like that (laughs) carlos williams who is it he fight with isaiah bugs Two guys that are two dogs, one bone. I guess they both play. I think it was Bugs, right? Because Bugs plays a lot of nose. So they got in a fight, like an altercation. I mean, it was just pushing and shoving. It didn't get past that. On the sideline, I guess their argument over playing time, two dogs fighting over one bone, one position. When Mike Tomlin was asked about it in the post-game conference, it looked like someone just gave him money out of their pocket. Here's a 1,000. He smiled. He loves it. He says, said something about them being competitive or so just the fact that that's the reaction it got from Tomlin. I like it. I think, listen, those three games, they changed in the middle of the seat in the end of the season there, the, the losing streak, including the, the losing win to the JV Ravens before that, you know, that changed our outlook on the season permanently. You know, Randy Feetner, I'll go into that right, right before we get the preview next game. He's not going anywhere. We've pre- it. it The only way the Steelers can make a deep playoff run is if Ben goes supernova and Claypool and Deontay join him, right? But I will say this. Since that end of that Colts game and this entire Browns game, there is a different energy about the Steelers. They lost their energy because they had to play three games in 12 days, and they lost their confidence in the process. And when Ben hit that – when the defense had the reverse goal line stand – on the Colts own three yard line they get the ball back to Ben. He goes 40 yards through the air to Deontay. Something changed in the air. And Vince Williams came back to the team. You're losing Hayden for two weeks, probably. So it's a win one for the Gipper type of situation. There is a little bit more swag. And it is so weird that they were able to take that from a losing effort. But really, if you're thinking about big picture, it, you know, that's a one game for them.
1: Hey, we're, were you the one who were telling was telling me that you heard a Steeler interview and he was saying it's really hard to get up for the home TJ games? Watt. or it's Yeah, a little harder to get up because there isn't the energy from the crowd.
0: Yeah, and I said this in a text or in a tweet that when I heard Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, and Marquise Pouncey weren't even going to make the trip, Joe Hayden weren't even going to make the trip to Cleveland, I said, hey, that's actually going to play a factor because – A lot of players have talked on podcasts and interviews this year about how crucial the sideline hype team is. Cam Hayward even said it when he was on Pat McAfee's podcast last week. He says, you know, usually you go to the bench, you get a rest. And and of course, guys are still sitting on the bench, but they're cognizant that, hey, we got to get up and cheer for the offense. And they're cheering for us. And we both feed off that. And he actually mentioned that in response to the sequence against the Colts I just mentioned, the reverse goal line stand to the long touchdown. And he even said, yeah, that sort of changed our mind. That, that really flipped the mood. And, of course, when I tweet that out, somebody, you know, I got a tweet back like, oh, they're trying to keep them safe from COVID. It's a smart move. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. We're implying that. I'm just saying it's going to have a negative impact on the team morale, which is a real thing. I think the fact that I would have to even outline that for you is hilarious. I guess that you think you're brilliant. Okay, sorry. That was too much. But there was a lot of people who piled up and kind of liked that post. I'm like, I I didn't even include the element of, of course it's a smart idea to not get Ben near a COVID-infested Browns team. I thought that we could have just agreed on that and moved past it to some further analysis. But, yeah, that made a difference, and I think that this team has a little bit more spirit going into next week because you know – they're saying the same thing in the locker room that we are. Oh, my God, if we had Ben and TJ, we would have won that game. I mean, we should have beat them with Mason. So that does bode well. The, this is the best team the Steelers could have drawn in the AFC playoffs. Not saying they'll win. I mean, because I think the, the Browns will also have a nine lives kind of thing where they realize, hey, we almost screwed it up. We almost lost to them. And now all we got to do is beat this team in one game. This team sucked for the whole second half of the season. They're going to be up too. But if the Steelers can make a statement, which they generally do at nighttime at Heinz Field, that's some real momentum they could take into round two. And, and, you know, we'll get there when we get there. But you just – you've seen the Steelers lose in the playoffs so many times, but you got to like the position they're in right now.
1: You know, Nick, there probably is nothing more magnificent than a game under the lights in Pittsburgh on a Sunday
0: night. Heinz Field going to be glistening. The fans that aren't there, they're going to be cheering. The turf, well-manicured. And you know what? That's something people don't talk about. You got to keep the turf well-manicured. At your field and in your pants. Listen, nobody wants to see the Vance McDonald down below. All right? Vance McDonald on the top, cool. Caveman down below, no. Undoable. All right? Manscaped has got you covered. They have redesigned the electric trimmer. I just used it before this podcast. Their Lawn 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology so that the trimmer does not cut your nuts. Listen, I could give you metaphors. I could give you similes, which is basically just a metaphor using like or as, but I'm just going to give you facts. It's impossible to cut yourself. We know that that's a worry while you're down there. And that's not all they got. They got deodorants. They got anti-chafing, powders, uh, creams, everything you need. It's a great Christmas present. It's too late for Christmas, but I know all you people didn't get Christmas presents for all the men in your life. So go ahead and get this as the blade, and people will be happy. And you can get it for a good deal because you get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Armchair at Manscaped.com. That's the code Armchair for twenty percent off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you.
1: Well, my, how a week has changed things—from receiving ten points to giving ten points. The Steelers are favored in this game that's coming up on Sunday night.
0: In some ways, it changes nothing. In some ways, it changes everything. Well, it changes nothing because we're betting on the Steelers regardless. And it changes nothing because we're betting on the Steelers at Bet Online, baby. Football playoffs are here. Make some money off the Steelers. All right, T.J. Watt's about to make some money. You might as well get in on the fun. Because BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on all the action imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. So head to BetOnline today and use that promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
1: So you've already made allusions to this week's game. Any observations about player personnel on either
0: side? Well, the big thing is that Cleveland gets back Denzel Ward, who's a top-flight NFL corner. He's going to make it more difficult on Claypool and Deontay running downfield. I'm not sure if they're getting anyone else in their secondary. I think they, I know that they're banged up. They have multiple guys out. So I don't know how many people they're getting back. But, look, their secondary is going to be better. I do think a lot of the success the Steelers found downtown was due to not having some, some great players matched up on Chase and Deontay, right? But this is really their time to shine. And if you're chasing Deontay, you better have a sense of urgency because you don't know what your quarterback situation is going to be like for the next four years. And if you're Ben, it's now or never, dude. you got to throw the ball downfield. I don't care if it's, if it's difficult. You have to take advantage of what's there to be had because two weeks in a row they have proven Ben wrong because I know this short passing is some of Ben. They have proven Feetner wrong, and they have proven Mike Tomlin wrong in this exclusive short passing bullcrap because they threw all over the Indianapolis Colts with no problem. Because the Steelers had zero problems throwing deep against the Colts and the Browns. I mean zero. There's three passes over 40 yards and a couple over 20, about about you know 30 yard passes from Mason just this week. And we saw what they did against the Colts. The quarterbacks barely got hit. They, they, they took like one hit each in those two games. So you've been proven wrong. Change the strategy. Because even Connor was able to run through a couple holes after you hit a couple of those deep passes. And, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you. My fear is it's not going to change. I expect to see a few slants on the first drive next week because I've seen it for, you know, 17 weeks in a row here. So I hope that they prove me wrong Try and attack deep early and take advantage of what's there to be had against a team that. Won't be able to keep up with your guys. And hopefully Ben is on. Hopefully he's not rusty as he often is after a week off. And hopefully Claypool and Deontay and Ebron, if he can play, take advantage of it. Uh, another big injury is Olivier Vernon's out for the for, uh, Browns. So that's a, that's a big-time defensive front member who's not going to be in the game. So you're going to have time to throw the ball. Throw the damn ball. Will Boswell be back? That's a big question. But Matthew Wright... And Matt, Matthew Wright, we trust. Two 46-yard field goals. That's all you want from him, right? Like, if you, we don't expect you to make the 50-yarder, but, but if you can make a 45-yarder, you got to feel pretty good.
1: Little Matty Wright, you know, we were also worried about the kickoffs, and if you noticed, he got progressively further every kickoff until the last one where he hit it like two yards deep into the end zone. He just took that little ragdoll body of his and put everything he had into it and got that ball into the end zone eventually.
0: Yeah, it was nice. He was good. So let's see. Who knows? Let the chips fall where they may. Do you have a prediction? You think the Steelers are going to win this week? It's kind of hard to pick against them, isn't it? The
1: Steelers are going to win this week. Yeah, we have to say that, and we believe it. I believe it. I have some news and note. Do you agree?
0: I do agree. I, I do think the Steelers. I think that the Browns without Odell Beckham Jr. do not scare me as a team that doesn't mean I don't think that they can beat the Steelers of course they can anybody can beat the Steelers the Bengals just did it but they're not as dangerous even though Odell has never flourished with them having to compensate for his deep threat is just such a big deal and now you just know like they're gonna run it a bunch with Chubb and Hunt and nobody else on that team can get deep Landry's so good underneath. So when the Steelers play teams that generally aren't super flexible in their offensive strategy, that's good news. And defensively, yep, they have a good line, but the Steelers proved this week that they actually did well against them and they're not going to have Olivier Vernon, so that helps. And the secondary, yeah, Denzel Ward's there, but it's not an all-star secondary. So you look at the rosters, the Steelers are much better. The only difference is the Browns kind of know who they are and they've... And, and the Steelers have had this maddening end of the schedule. But the Steelers, if you look just player for player, I mean, it's the Steelers by a lot. Now, will they hey, win before, by a lot? No, but the, they're going to win 24 to 20.
1: Before we get to some news and notables, I was just looking back at the odds for this week. How much salt in the wound is it that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are giving away eight points to the Washington football team, have to go to Washington? And I know it's Amazing. not as big a deal without the – Fans, by the way, there were 12,000 fans in Cleveland this weekend. Mm. But the 11 and 5 Bucks have to travel to the 7 and 9, 7 and 9 in the NFC East, mind you. Yeah. Uh, football team.
0: Yeah, brutal. Let's go, 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 Washington. We hate you, Tom Brady. We hate you, other little douche who's running around out there. Go, Washington. Find a way to make it happen. End them. Bruce Arians, get as drunk as you want before the game. You, you got it, man. They're 7-9. and nine. How could you possibly lose? Have a couple of your rum drinks. I, w- I want you as red as the Washington logo. All right? I didn't mean to make that border on some um, race thing. I didn't mean the skin-wise. I meant the colors of the jersey. Let's put it that way. Uh, but just get as drunk as you'd like, Bruce, and just throw it downtown as much as you'd like and, and, and lose the game. Boo, Buccaneers.
1: Congratulations to Stefan Tuitt, the Steeler recipient of the 2020 Ed Block Courage Award. I hadn't heard of this one before. 11
0: sacks on the year?
1: Yeah. Look up the website, um, or you can look on Steelers.com and see the story and then to get to the website I'll for Ed it. Block. I'll tweet Great. it. Great. This guy looks like a pugilist who was not allowed to use his fists. Awesome.
0: He's the man. Um,
1: Purple heart. Claypool. Right? Ties Franco and Louis Lips for most touchdowns scored by a rookie with eleven, yep. and he ties. He ties. Um, oh, he passes Troy Edwards for most receptions by a, a rookie in franchise history with his sixty-second of the season. Now, let's go into the new name. I don't haven't heard this used extensively. Saxberg, our defense now has fifty-six sacks on this season, which ties the franchise record set in only twenty seventeen. Hmm. We have 73 That's straight games with a sack, which is an NFL record. And the Steelers also secured their fourth straight 50-sack season.
0: That's amazing. Last, last and week, by actually. the way, I think it's like if you look at the top four sacking teams from the past four years, it's the Steelers, and then the next place person is like 30 behind. I mean, it's significant. I had another discussion on Twitter about that, about how sacks are an overrated stat, and they're misleading. In 2017, that was the defense That we will hate for all eternity, aside from Ryan Shazier and Cam Hayward, Vince Williams, because they are the Blake Bortles team that Blake Bortles picked apart. That defense sucked. They got a lot of sacks that year. I think they got 10 sacks in one game against Cleveland, Deshaun Kaiser, right? So that was misleading. Butler would scheme up sacks and we'd give up 30 to every team we played, every team the Steelers played. I don't know why I'm doing that a lot today. I'm doing the we thing. I think just I'm so psyched about the playoffs, can't help it. But over the past two years, the sacks have completely been indicative of the quality of the defense. I mean, these sacks aren't empty sacks. They're coming in the fourth quarter. They're coming from inside players. They're coming from outside players. And they're resulting in huge turnover numbers. Can you get the numbers for how many turnovers the Steelers got this year versus last year? Because not
1: fast enough to satisfy the – go ahead.
0: Yeah. Remember last year we talked about how incredible it was how many turnovers the Steelers had. After about a decade of being starved, the Steelers were setting records for fewest interceptions by secondary members for a few years there. Legitimate records. I mean, think there was one year where they had one or two by a secondary member, and Lawrence Timmons led the team in interceptions, which tells you everything you need to know. But over these past two years, they have been getting the quarterback tremendously and it resulted in a bunch of turnovers. And we said last year, yes, the turnovers will probably go down, a lot of people in the media were pointing that out. Hey, turnovers, are a lot of it's luck. A lot of it's the way that the ball bounces to you, and so it'll probably go down in 2020. But you and I were on the record saying, I, I think there's actually a chance they could stay up because it, it's so, the turnovers in Pittsburgh are so predicated off of that pass rush, which is made up of, you know, especially before Bud went down, like exclusively Pro Bowl players. So that pass rush is going to get home, and they're going to get sacks, and they're going to get fumbles, but they're also going to force bad throws. And I don't know what the numbers are this year, but I know that the Steelers have done a good job turning the ball, like getting turnovers this year as well. So whereas that sack number over the past four years may be a little bit misleading, it's completely deserved over this year and last year.
1: So 18 interceptions this year, and fumble recoveries, nine. So what did I say? So that's twenty-seven, right?
0: Yeah, it feels pretty good.
1: All right, let's go to two thousand nineteen. Fumble recoveries.
0: I'm gonna bet. What uh, Did they get thirty-two last year or something ridiculous?
1: Uh, eighteen fumble recoveries and let's go to the interceptions. Jeez,
0: it was all in that San Francisco 20. Yeah. game.
1: Twenty, yeah. So it was 20 20 interceptions. So wow. Quite a, quite a number of turnovers better than last year.
0: Yeah, but still this year was like, hey, that's what a great a defense does. Gets around 30. Right. Okay, so wow, they, they blew the doors off for last year. The, All the right, real quick
1: as, as real quick as we get out of here, game balls on offense.
0: Do you give it to Mason or do you give it to Claypool?
1: I give it to Mason.
0: Give it to Mason. Claypool,
1: Claypool will have his time. He'll have more, more games.
0: There you go. Yeah, give it to Mason.
1: Defense is a little tougher for me, but I do have a name.
0: You want Highsmith or it? Highsmith. High Smith. Let's give it to Highsmith. I agree. That was encouraging. And
1: do you not give it to Matty Wright? But I will say that Jordan Berry was prolific yesterday. Three punts all within the 20 or near the 20. You
0: definitely give it to Matty Wright to come in as a 48-pound a, a man to kick 46-yard field goals. I mean, he's kicking right up to his weight limit right there. One thing I'll say, Ray-Ray McLeod, he's got he's to get his groove back a little bit. The blocking has not been great for him, but he's getting into that Antoine territory, Antoine randall when he would dance around a little bit too much, I mean, last week we said he was so brave against the Colts, just running into those walls and getting blown up. So maybe he's protecting his body a little bit, but I would like to see him get upfield a little bit more and just see if he can make something happen. Because he's been dancing and losing some yards.
1: All right, hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost and learn more about Ed Block. Shoot us an email at Steelers at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening, Go Steelers!
2: Okay, bye bye.